What's up, bitches? I'm Gaia. And I'm Nita. And this is Bitch Why. Our podcast where we talk about all the things we like and dislike and why anyone would make them. We're just a couple of artsy bitches learning about what makes art good and how to talk about it and when to talk about it and how and why. We're here with a special guest, Sarah. I'm excited to be here. Longtime fan, first time speaker. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) This is also baby's first podcast, so I apologize in advance for everything I'm about to say. No, it's going to be so sexy. It's going to be hot. Hi, I'm I'm ready. I'm Sarah Louise. I'm the resident pirate nerd, I guess. (laughs) We'll call it that. Mm. Yeah. Great. Uh, Should we get into some snacks? Yes. Gaia, what have you been snacking on? Bro, I'm not gonna lie. Today's mood has been, am I hungover or am I still drunk? (laughs) Uh, My snacks are these t-shirts with sharks I got from the young boys section at Target. (laughs) Appropriate. (laughs) I would like the people to know that no thievery was used in the obtaining of these shirts. Amazing. I totally believe you. I fully believe you. Anyway, but you know, as reparations for the Target Pride collection, I am legally entitled to $12 worth of Target merchandise. Exactly $12. No more, no less. <laughs> yeah. No more, no less. Um, I almost got, they've got like an Ally Pride shirt. I almost purchased it for Redacted. Stop. (laughs) Target, no. I hate that. Anyway, that's what I'm snagging on. What's up? But I honestly feel like like for pirates or for whatever we could possibly be covering, I feel like this is the mood. Like, (laughs) am I hungover? Am I still drunk? That is Pirates of the Caribbean. That's very pirates. Very appropriate for today. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, what are you snagging on, Nita or Sarah? Sarah, Sarah, what are you snacking on? Well, I'm snacking on my upcoming vacation, which has led to a resurgence of a very, very embarrassing hobby I had in college and a little bit in high school, well, more so in high school than college. I didn't have a lot of friends, so I was a big like theme park history buff. So I've been snacking on the theme park history of Pirates of the Caribbean, ironically, and like that like subset of Imagineers and how they built the attractions and that's been scratching my little history minor brain it's been very nice Nita, what have you been snacking on okay so i watched a couple of movies uh this week oh boy one of them have you seen barb and star go to vista del mar i keep meaning to watch it Kristen wig is in it and then jamie dornan from 50 shades of gray it's was honestly like I was watching it and you know when you're watching a movie and it sometimes can feel like it's a car crash I felt like I thought like I was on the precipice of car (laughs) crash and then it got so ridiculous that it was good and I was like wow I'm on this like wonderful journey watching this silly 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 movie (laughs) and I'm like the happiest I've been in a while so it was it was an experience it wasn't a movie I love that for you yeah Sidebar, I forgot the other thing I'm snacking on was actually Cruella. Oh, I have that on our oh. list of covering because Harris liked it. So I think. Yeah, Harris should. liked it. I know. Harris really Very liked controversial. it. Not, I didn't think Harris. That would. is surprising, actually. It's, it's, um. Right? <laughs> Sarah, from what she knows about Harris. From what I know about Harris from the podcast, I was like, oh, okay, good for him. I went and saw it with my best friend. For the listeners at home, I am a, I'm a dancer. I perform in nightclub venues. I spend a lot of my time dressing really weird, and I haven't done that in a while. So we were like, let's go see Cruella in full 70s garb because it's set in the 70s. (laughs) So we went in like 70s outfits, and it was really fun. That movie is not technically good. 
I would say. (laughs) It has its failings. It has its successes. But also Emma Stone and Emma Thompson are just having so much fucking fun. Must a movie be good? Is it not enough to see Emma Stone Stone and Emma Thompson? Just having a blast. I saw Quiet Place 2 Mm. on Friday. Is it good? So good. Is it? I was going to say, A Quiet Place is a movie I felt like didn't need a follow up. And every time a movie that I don't want there to be a sequel for gets a sequel, I immediately resent the sequel. And I think I'm probably being unfair. You're being really unfair because it's just as good, if not better. I think the screenplay is incredibly tight. It's like very good storytelling. It's like an hour 30. It's so fast. Wow. Yeah. I trust short movies. I trust John Krasinski. Just him. I just trust him. Like He's a hold my drink buddy. Yes. That's the energy yeah. he radiates. But yeah. Amazing. <laughs> We've snacked. We feasted We tonight. did. We did. That was our smorgasbord. Speaking of a smorgasbord, a yes. <laughs> Gaia, would you like to do the roadmap? Yes. <laughs> There's literally nothing that could make my day better than doing the roadmap. The roadmap is my charcuterie. My charcuterie. Uh-huh. My, my amuse-bouche. <laughs> my aperitif before the evening really gets going. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of... Amusing the bouche. Let's get into the roadmap. Um, this episode, like many of our episodes, are ma- is made up of four parts. Bitch what? Which is an introduction to just simply what we're talking about. Bitch how? A little technical rundown of how it succeeds, how it fails. Bitch time, which is when there's no intelligence allowed into it. We, we boot the intelligence out like a 30-year-old white man from our basement. And... <laughs> Finally, bitch, why? <laughs> Where we talk about the implications <laughs> and why it matters, why anything matters, and the bitch meter, which is our carefully mathematically synthesized formula for teaching you how diverse the movie is. You know, it doesn't cause quality, often correlates with quality. Fellas, am I hungover or am I still drunk? To be fair, sometimes feels like the experience of what we are watching. Like I said, it's the vibe. This is great. This is such a good giggly episode. I love it. For mm-hmm. being honest, I'm a little high. So this is going to be a great time. That's fine. I I am drinking a mocktail. Hi. Hungover and stone cold sober. <laughs> We're ready. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Speaking of what our levels of intoxication of are. substance What abuse. the heck are we talking about? <laughs> Speaking of substance abuse, <laughs> what are we talking about today, guys? It's time for Bitch One. It's Pirates of the Caribbean 1. Pirates of yes. the Caribbean 1, Curse of the Black Pearl. So oh, good. Oh, this hat! My goodness. <gasps> oh, it's lovely. This, I wish podcasting was a visual medium. I wish it was a visual Actually, medium. Actually, will... can I take a screenshot? Yes. For the Instagram? All right. With the pride shirt oh, that no I one else it. can I see. It makes it even funnier. Beautiful. That's Wait, can great. I bring my shark shirt into it so everyone knows what I was talking <laughs> about? Yes. We need all the visual mediums. This is hilarious. I'm So I'm, I was like super late to the Pirates of the Caribbean train. This is like actually going to expose me for being the babiest person here. But actually the first <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean movie I saw was Pirates of the Caribbean 4. Oh, wow. Wow, oh, wow, wow. Which is, well, we'll be speaking about later, but a highly cursed. I have many thoughts. I need, we need to d- dedicate like 10 minutes to the mermaid debate. 
In that episode. In that episode, for sure. (laughs) This episode is already going to be long. It will be longer. (laughs) If we do all the movies in this one episode, we'll be here for three days. Yeah, literally. I have many. As we should. Like, I have work (laughs) in the morning, but... So the first time I actually, like, watched every single Pirates of the Caribbean movie, it was with my roommates at the nunnery that I lived at. Um, I love that sentence. We, like, binged all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Um, I don't know. I actually think I have some really zesty Pirates of the Caribbean takes. I might also have some zesty takes. I definitely have a a diatribe about Jack Sparrow as a character, so that's going to be fun. How did you guys dip your little toesies into the Pirates ocean? I saw Pirates in 2003 in the theaters, depending on the time of year. I think I was in fourth grade. No, it was in the summer, so it was between third and fourth grade for me. God, I loved that movie. That was the first movie that made me think I was straight. And then a few years later, I went back and went, nope, bisexual. Yes. That one in The Mummy. Oh, that stop. W- yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, this is the movie, like, if I had seen Pirates of the Caribbean earlier in life, then I would have known I was bisexual and not just gay. I first saw this movie and went, oh, Orlando Bloom's kind of dreamy. Mm. And then, like, I went, I kept watching the movies and I kept watching the movies and was like, but Elizabeth Swan, though. The Pirate King, like, there was also a brief, unfortunate period of time where I was attracted to Johnny Depp, but I got better, so that's fine. That's okay. Uh, He's a survivor. That's okay. I feel like that's the equivalent of, like, Pete Davidson now. <laughs> where you're like, I need to heal. Every single movie saw it in theaters, including the ones we shall not speak about until later. They who shall not be named. Yeah. Yes, but but the first film is one of my comfort movies. Yeah. I will say. It's one of those, like, I'm sad. Pirate time. I love that. I was a little emo shithead kid, and Pirates of the Caribbean just kind of came with the territory if you were an emo kid. It did. You know what I mean? Sarah knows what I mean. It was that, like, any Tim Burton movie, all of that. Yes, the hot topic. You had to have at least one Johnny Depp-centered film in your list of movies. Uh You also had to have either Donnie Darko or The Breakfast Club. There was no in-between. I was Breakfast Club. I was as well. Yeah. I was as well. Yeah. I was Breakfast Club. Excellent choice. Yeah. Excellent choice. The the flavor. The flavor. I feel yeah. Excellent. There's like when you <laughs> when you submit your your emo kid paper your emo card your emo card for approval they have to you have to check a lot of boxes and it's okay if they're in like different versions and like orders but like you gotta have yeah, yeah. Uh, you must own at least one Jack Skellington shirt. Stop. <laughs> Yikes. It's. Them's, this is them's so the rules. I hate this so much. Them's the rules. Did you ever have those pants from Hot Topic that was like one of them is like all black and one is like fucking yes? Yeah. Okay. Great. Mine was mine was <laughs> black and red. They still sell those. Yeah, I saw because I get emails from them because that's where I got my Halloween sweater, and so now. So is this I- a good episode or a bad episode? <laughs> <laughs> How we doing? <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> this hello? is great. The guy's like, hello. Nine one one. This movie, like all good movies, came out in 2003. Yes. Except for Spider-Verse. Which Except for Spider-Verse. Now, that's when they stopped making movies. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. when they stopped. So, so it, it came out in 2003. It was directed by Gore Verbinski. Mm-hmm. And it Really had the odds stacked against it production-wise from the very beginning. I gotta find the exact quote, but um, the head of Disney at the time hated what Johnny Depp was doing with his character. 
pirate movies had been dead for several decades, yeah. at least since the seventies. Well, what's the what's the one with um what's her name? Gina Davis that like oh. tanked really hard. And then people are like, pirates uh, are like a, a curse for making yes. movies. With- Cutthroat Island Cut with Gina Island. Davis and and Matthew Modine. Yeah, it was nineteen ninety five. That was the last big big budget explosion and in it pirate was a movie. Flop. Like a total and it flop. Flopped. <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing is, this is the first time there was a Disney movie centered around an attraction versus yeah, instead like, of the other way the other around. Way around. Yeah, so this is this started that trend, and that's why we have like Jungle Cruise coming out. There was a Tomorrowland movie. We don't talk about Tomorrowland. We don't talk about Tomorrowland. But Pirates was the original, like you know, this is a popular attraction. Let's make it into a film. And now the ride has shifted to include more scenes yeah. from the actual movies. Now we've come full circle. The film also was in development for long time. A long time. It was pitched by Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio in like the nineties. This is, like, interesting. I feel like movies that stay in development for a long time are better. Sometimes. Usually, yeah. Sometimes, Like, I'm thinking about Treasure Planet was in development for, like, 20 years before they could make it. It's, like, the best. Yes. Yeah. So, actually, fun fact, and I'm sure Sarah knows this, but uh, Johnny Depp modeled his, like, Jack Sparrow character after rock stars. Keith Richards was, like, a big inspiration for him, and then Keith Richards actually ended up in... One of the films. Yeah. And the third, third one. one. Yeah. In yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean 3. Yes. That we're not talking about yet. That we're not talking about today. But it's, isn't it wild that, like, the thing he based the movie, like, his movie character off of then ended up in the movie? I feel like that's when you know, okay, this is the last one of these that we well, do. The reason he was able to do that was because they also didn't originally want him as Jack Sparrow. Mm-hmm. There were a bunch of other people. They looked at Steve Martin, Bill Murray, and Robin Williams, but that Ooh. was when that was when Spielberg was considering directing it. Okay. Before before they brought in Gore Verbinski and co-writer Stuart Beatty wanted Hugh Jackman. See, that would have been worse though, that even given weird. Johnny Depp's miss. That's that's yeah. the thing. They also created the character in the script, the original like spec script. Jack Sparrow is a really straightforward typical swashbuckling like hero he's more like a typical like charming very straightforward hero type he was like a trope and then johnny depp got the role and he was like i'm gonna make him a rock star because pirates were kind of the rock stars of the sea and he made it into keith richards and that's why the executives at disney were like he's ruining the film he's gonna destroy the movie like well eventually he did eventually he did yeah much yeah. like much like drinking unicorn blood, the character of Jack Sparrow received a half life, a cursed life, because of the amount of control Johnny Depp. Oh, had. and that's a franchise Johnny Depp is also in now. Yeah. Oh no. Oh wow. Oh boy. Full circle. Full circle. We're bringing it we're, all we're around. We're connecting dots. It. We're taking the snake head and we're putting the tail inside. The snake is eating its tail to the pirate score, and, and yeah. I could not be happier. Oh wow. Can we get into bitch house so I can talk about how many endorphins I get? simply from hearing the pirate score. Yes, it is time for the chow. I'm trying to I'm trying to like make sure that I'm separating my thoughts about these films enough because yeah. I feel like Pirates like falls into really distinct eras and like the first movie is an era and then the second two are in an era and then the last two are an era. Mm-hmm. So something that I kind of wanted to talk about that I want to hear your takes on is 
Jack Sparrow as a character, obviously we gotta we gotta stick our little fingers into that. One of my movie pet peeves and what I think is like a poor script writing decision generally is when the central character doesn't have any real like movement into the story. So I think it's weird that Jack Sparrow doesn't really like move with the plot. He's kind of just like carried from place to place in this movie in particular. And so I'm kind of like intrigued why we think that that ended up making a good movie anyway. Because he works as the sidekick. Jack Sparrow is not the main character. Like, there's, like, main characters in the sense of, like, you are putting yourself in their shoes to experience this world. There, you're, like, way into this universe. William Turner is technically the main character. Technically. He's the second person you see on screen other than Elizabeth Swan in that first scene. He is our way into the governor's house. He is our way into the fort. He is our, like, catalyst for everything because he's the son of Bootstrap Bill. Spoilers for a movie that came out in 2003. Sorry. Jack Sparrow is more of the quirky sidekick type character. He is the goofy comic relief in this film, but he's also the smartest person in the room in the first film. (laughs) It does not stay like that. This is the beginning of my diatribe about Jack Sparrow as a character. It will happen a lot. So Jack Sparrow is, if you don't know, he's actually a former British soldier canonically it's it comes up in the later films but he was in the king's navy they give him this very like oh by the way he likes people of color here you go he left the navy because he had to transport people Uh, to be sold and he didn't agree it's it's wild we love a, a mild retcon wow that's wild it's wild you don't find out any of this until i think the second film and it's like hinted at for the most part and then it's in the books because there's books. There's books? There's books. There's a no- Oh my god. <laughs> there's a novelization, there's a graphic novel, there's all four movies have been novelized oh and there's also a book that's called it's like Jack Sparrow's Journal and it's his like teen years. There was also supposed to be a Disney Plus series about this. I feel like a Disney Plus series may have actually been good. Is that a hot take? Like I feel like that could have been good. That is a hot take I agree yeah, with I though. I agree. So with Jack Sparrow, um, I think that, like, if Will Turner is, like, the catalyst for everything, Jack Sparrow is the reason we get information. Like, exactly. Right? Like, when he and Will are having that, like, sword fight at the beginning, you get to learn a lot about Will through that sword fight. You understand that, like, he's, like, a good swordsman. He, like, works really, like, at his craft in the conversation they're having, which also the screenplay is written wonderfully. The action moves the plot along and the story along. In a way that's, like, really cool that, you know, just don't see in a lot of action movies now because action is just, like, for fun and spectacle versus, like, it's yeah. really moving the plot. I rewatched the film last night to, like, brush up on it. If you watch all the close-ups on him, even when he's not talking, he's looking for the door. He's looking for a way out. Like, when he gets captured at the beginning of the film after rescuing Elizabeth, he's, like, they're clapping him in irons and he, like, looks up. And he sees the jib thing that spins around. He sees where everyone is on the dock. He's always thinking about the next thing to do. So he doesn't really get carried through, but he plays the idiot so that he can have these elaborate escapes. Like he swings around on a jib and then like lands and rolls and runs away with the handcuffs still on. And that's wild. They get weirder as the series goes on because the directors were like, oh, that crazy Jack Sparrow. He's always doing weird stuff. And That's not why people liked him. They liked him because he was smart. I think, like, this is kind of for a later episode, but I'm going to plant the seed now because I'm thinking of it. Plant it. I think 
it's a great example of something that I feel like happens in a lot of like super corporatized franchises where directors or like the creators notice something that people like and they don't realize what they like about it. They just are like, oh yeah, people really like quirky sword fights and they don't realize that what they like about the quirky sword fight is the way the quirky sword fight moves the plot and how like well the quirky sword fight reveals character and like how functional of a sword fight it is Mm -hmm. and so as you move through the pirates movies in particular you can see them kind of continually trying to bring back the quirky sword fight but forgetting what it was that they like about the quirky sword fight And I think this movie plants a lot of the seeds of things that people liked because it was just, like, a really tight movie. And then things that would, like, go on to rot in our brains. I'd like to call it the Minions effect. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Oh, Oh. I like that. Approved. Diagnosed. Thank you. Nita is our Dr. House MD. She got it. I got it. That's hilarious. They got it. Thank you. They got it. We use them interchangeably. We love a she-they. We love a she-they. I love being a she-they. Anyway, <laughs> the gender envy I had of every single human in this first film. Yes. Oh, yeah. my God. The other how, I think, in this film that's kind of fascinating. Mm. There's a. It was brought up in a YouTube commentary I listened to. Is it that one um, hour long one? There's a couple. Yeah. There's one that's like why the first film works and then there's another one that talks about jack sparrow as a character Mm -hmm. and why he succeeds so well in the first film and it's because he's allowed he doesn't have a romantic interest in this film yeah that was hot it was hot (laughs) they let him just be a pirate Mm -hmm. like we don't need him to fall in love we don't need him to fall in love he's the fun one he goes on adventures he gets slapped by multiple women all the time it's a running gag that he's like a ladies man he doesn't need a love interest. We have Will and Elizabeth for that. And he has this ultimate enemy. Barbosa is such a fun bad guy. Mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. just evil. He's evil, but he's not unlikable. Yeah. Because I noticed this last night after they get marooned for the second time, Barbosa takes the gown back from Elizabeth and they make it seem like it's a like, ooh, women in their underwear because I'm a pirate and we're lusty. And it's actually so she doesn't drown. If you yeah. watch the way he does it, it, he's to make sure she doesn't die. Yeah. And I was like, you softy. Okay, interesting. Uh, and then they twist that in Pirates of the Caribbean 5. Oh yeah, my god. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just, uh, this first film is so good. It's there's so There's so good. much in it. What else, is, what else is good? What else is neat? Well, there's the score. The score is fantastic. Yeah. It was amazing. I think, like... The score is the best used in the first one. And then, like, there's been a couple, there's, like, glimpses of it later on where, like, because the score becomes so iconic, like, I really like what they end up doing, which is, like, they tease the score and everyone's, like, waiting for their, like, for the score to happen so they can just, like, freak out and headbang. But, like, it's so exciting. Like, I wish I could rewatch this movie for the first time having not heard the score and, like, feel the experience of hearing that score for the first time. Yeah. I would say the, in my conscious lifetime as someone seeing movies, I would say that the Pirates of the Caribbean score was the first step towards the, like, Marvel sting that's now a thing. Mm -hmm. Because it would always be, like, you'd hear the violins and it would go, in the background of a scene and you're like, it's coming. This, this like epic moment in the score is coming and it was just this build up. And now we've got the Marvel has its own sting now for each character. Um, Inception had its own. It created that like iconic score 
thing that blockbusters have now. It, it kind of reinvented that from, you know, Jaws and Psycho and it rebirthed the epic score, I would say, in our consciousness because you know what it is when you hear it. Yeah. It's instantaneous. Probably not since like a Jurassic Park was there. Yeah. Like a Star like an Wars. epic score. And, Star yeah, Wars. Star Wars before it. Yeah. To have that like epic sound. On on a character note, would we say Elizabeth Swan is she a successfully strong female character or is she a disaster? Because okay, I I don't think I in the first movie in she the, is at yeah. her best. She's so and she's so smart and like resourceful in the first one, and like she does grow. Yeah. I think that my favorite thing about Pirates of the Caribbean is the Kira Knightley arc, um, the yeah. Elizabeth yeah. Swan arc. And so part of me wants to be like, no, I don't think she's that great in the first one. But because of how she is in the first one, she gets to like grow into what she becomes yeah. in the later movies. Yeah. And so for me, like, that's just like a sexy use of series. They must have done that on purpose. Although, I don't know. Everyone thought this movie was going to flop. So do you think they just kind of... No, I don't think they had an arc planned, did they? I don't think they had an arc planned, but the way that the original film is written, every single core member of the cast has, except for Jack, because he doesn't have an arc. He's Jack Sparrow. He's He doesn't need to have one. Time, he's, yeah. He doesn't need one. He's timeless on his own. Um, He kind of stays the same. He's also older than everyone else in the film, if you look at it. Like, character age-wise, he's supposed to be, I believe, in his 30s. Mm -hmm. Will is supposed to be 20 or 21, and Elizabeth is supposed to be, like, 19 or 20. She's young. And Norrington is the other main character. He is technically a main character. They all have an arc. Rights for Norrington. Like, Will starts out, he's very straight-laced, he's very serious, he's very, you know, pirates are evil because I was attacked by them as a child, and I never knew my father. And, like, he has this whole arc of finding out who his father was who he is because of that and learning that you can do bad things and be a good person. Elizabeth goes from stifled and straight late. Like, well, she's stifled, but she's always had that. Like, I think pirates are cool. Like she's always been interested in adventure. She kind of learns how to take care of herself and learn. Like she doesn't start off Laura Croft. She doesn't come out of the gate being able to defend herself. She Which is like very runs and screams. Yeah. yeah. She's realistic. She realistically learns how to handle herself. It can be a little thrown away in the third act because it's a giant pirate fighting scene and she has to survive the fighting scene. But, but I like that when she fights with Will, that them fighting together shows that they're, like, good together as a couple. Yeah. The way so they cute. fight together and, like, like I'm, I'm thinking of the moment when they take the thing and, like, go together. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that, like, she um, has moments where, like, even against these pirates, like, she can hold her own in a realistic way. Like, she gets Jack drunk so that she can find the rum and then, like, get signal everyone Create in the, the morning. bonfire, yeah. Like, that's, she's, like, pretty freaking smart. She's intelligent. Yeah. She knows she's not strong. She's a young woman, so she knows she can't fight these people, so she outsmarts them. She thinks like Jack. There's a line, they're mm -hmm. having the ship battle, and they're like, you're mad, and Gibbs goes mad like Jack. Yeah. And it's, it's that... It's that, like, ten steps ahead, like, almost too smart, but realistically too smart kind of thinking. Yeah. Which is why their dynamic is interesting in the second one and then terrible in the third one. Yeah. That ship battle Tea. is fantastic because it has three significant moments, right? Yeah. Like, it's just cannons first, and then... They go across. Go across. And then they're captured, I believe. There's a couple ship... There's a yeah. lot of ship fights. But, like, it's, <laughs> it's, like, the action in it, it has, like, specific, like beats 
So it's yeah. never gets like I think they're probably fighting for around like maybe like six to eight minutes, but it never gets boring because yeah. one, the plot is continuing to move, the characters are continuing to develop, and also like and and I, and you can tell they're like okay, well like we've never seen a really damn good ship battle in a yeah. in a movie, so like we're gonna go all out, but also it's gonna mean something. Alyssa, our mutual friend Alyssa, has yes. a gripe with the use of corsets as a stifling metaphorical thing because if you're wearing them right, they should not do that to you. Yes. Yeah. It's historically inaccurate, but also when they pitched this, they wanted to create a romance era pirate film. Right, right, right. I get the issue like that modern day corset wearers have with like the trope of like corsets being inherently stifling, but I think it's a useful trope in this film. It's a great shorthand and then also the way she flips it around later in the movie when she faints at the gala. Yeah, very mm-hmm. smart. Everything comes back in this first movie, too. Like, everything yeah. is yeah. so good. Like, Will's, the thing he does to almost, like, hit Jack in the first scene with the, he throws the sword. He throws the it sword. under his feet so he can stand when he's being Yeah, hanged. so he doesn't die. Like, uh, so many, like, they bringing things back. But no, I know. So I just brought that up because apparently a lot of, like, historical, accurate, like, YouTubers are like, that's not... We hate that, but also like it is great shorthand for the for the scene in the film. There's a lot of things in this film that are historically inaccurate, costuming wise. It's not just yeah, the corsets, for sure. Uh, but I also used in a lot it, of films. The like corset yeah. is stifling me as a woman. Something we life. talk about a lot in like our design glasses is this idea that like historical accuracy isn't always the most important thing in historical Mm -hmm. filmmaking like it's about walking a line between like what you can convey with costuming and like what you can convey with period and like being able to find the intersection between those things is the level of historical accuracy that's necessary for your film so like in the idea that this film is kind of like making itself not necessarily to be a real like historical piece but rather to be kind of an emulation of the pirate genre and kind of place itself as like a construct of the construct of pirates if that makes sense yeah it makes sense that not everything would be historically accurate because it doesn't stand as a historical piece it's like a piece of fiction right right right. it's a fiction the the first pirate film also it stands in the realm of Somewhere between fantasy and magical realism, I would say, because it is, yeah. a, it's a realistic world that we're in. Pirates exist, the East India Trading Company exists, the British colonies exist, all of this is, like, realistic setting, but there's purses, and there's zombie pirates, and there's voodoo, and there's all these, like, mythical <laughs> things in it, so... Can't there be a historically inaccurate corset? <laughs> Yeah, we can have we can have yeah. tight laced corsets in a world where you know <laughs> Barbosa hasn't had an apple in ten years. I think we can have corsets that are not correct. You know, it's one of those things. I love kind of wonder, like I don't know, like there's a big trend right now where everyone's kind of like trying to reclaim the corset as like a piece yeah. of clothing. Mm-hmm. It was hashtag never bad in the first place, and I think it's yeah. maybe more complicated like than that. Corsets to me, and I don't know a lot about the like scientifically what a corset does to your body. But corsets to me, like as a clothing device, kind of read as binders, which it's like binders are important pieces of clothing, like for tons of trans people, including myself, but also like they do harm my body. Like they're not good for me to wear. And so like, I don't know if like hyping on the semantics of like 
whether or not a corset's good for you or not, or like if you wore it right or if you didn't. Like, is a corset really like a feminist garment? Is like that the hill we want to die on? That like corsets were empowering the entire time? I blame Bridgerton for the corset revival. And they're not even corsets technically in Bridgerton. They're stays, which are literally just long line brassiers. If you look at the original design, they're just a long line bra because they just held you in place. That's it. That's what they were meant to do. And then throughout history, they've done different things because the history of shapewear is actually really fascinating, but like it's always been done different things based on trends. So at the time, corsets were really tight, but that's because they were creating an hourglass. But if you had a correctly shaped corset, it was just holding you. It wasn't constricting you. In my mind, like, I guess like the kind of resurgence, like the kind of like feminist power fist resurgence of like corsets are great actually is kind of like very like choice feministy of me it it, like it reads very choice feminist me does that does that make sense which is like the idea that like anything a woman does is feminist if she's making the choice to do it yeah no it feels white feminist e to me but there's also like such a historical context between how based on like how women's clothing like has been literally oppressive Mm -hmm. so like like, I don't know, maybe corsets didn't rearrange your organs except for the ones that did, but, like... Still. Like, still. <laughs> anyway, that that's t- tangential. <laughs> T- little, little side tangent. Also, I will say I have spent more money than I am comfortable admitting on pirate things mm. because of the impact of huh? these films. I think that's yeah. a good thing. It's it's never a bad thing, but I do now own, full disclosure, two steel-boned corsets, four pairs of pirate boots three hats but like i i did have a very questionable romancing of pirate lore because of these films Mm -hmm. and then and then you go in and look at the actual history of pirates and there's the romanticized pirates there's the jack sparrows and the elizabeth turners and all that and then there's the actual history of pirates Mm -hmm. and what they actually did and this was my first instance of learning to separate those the two because of these movies. And yeah. I feel like that was a big impact. Have you ever seen the show Black Sails? I have not. No. So that's a show about pirates. And the reason I bring this up is because, like, a lot of what that show... That show is a lot about, like, gay pirates and, like, yes. people of color <laughs> in the Caribbean working together to try and like stop the British from colonizing shit. Oh, okay. And maybe it's just because that show was like kind of formative in my pirate viewing experience. I think yeah. about pirates as like an anti-colonialist force. <laughs> they are. Yeah, like like obviously like I don't know, pirates aren't like hashtag good. Like I don't mm. Actually but- the first film illustrates really well that pirates are not good people because no pirate is an entirely good person in the first film. None of them are good people. Like, Jack Sparrow flip-flops sides throughout the entire thing. He gets arrested, needs to get out of the jail cell, so he aligns himself with William Turner. Uh, they get captured by Barbosa, and he's like, well, don't want to get murdered. I'm going to weasel my way out and do this. Like, he goes back and forth. Barbosa is obviously not entirely good. Jack Sparrow tells his crew to keep to the code. Any man that falls behind is left behind. They leave him, yeah. but then come back and rescue him later. Like, there's all that, like, they're cool, but they're not entirely good people. Like, they all do questionable things, but they're still rock stars at the end. That is kind of, like, refreshing 
in juxtaposition to like I think a lot of American movies like are really they really idolize like the state as a force like the British Navy and so it's kind of refreshing to even though the pirates aren't hashtag good people by making the like protagonist force like a force against like the British Navy and the military yeah it kind of like accidentally poses itself as like an anti-colonialist movie and like I think so many Disney movies and like action movies are like just directly funded by the American military. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a big like, thing. Literally, yeah. I guess it's not refreshing because this was in two thousand three. But like, it is refreshing to watch a movie for me now in twenty twenty one and be like, "Wow, this yeah. movie doesn't like the military that much, huh?" These pirates yeah. don't like the military industrial complex either. But then you do have like <laughs> Norrington that's kind of like he's like, "Oh, it's the system and people, individual people are fine," you know. They I do enjoy that it's like at the very very end they escape, Jack gets away, Norrington loses the girl. He's like, "Well, just another Tuesday, yeah. I guess." And, he's a and Norrington's pretty mature about the whole thing. But he's, he's a, very he's mature. He's a pirate cop. He is a pirate, he's a pirate cop. cop. But then he he decops eventually. He does de- pay cab, and that includes Commodore Norrington pay cab, as the All kids would say. Pirate cops <laughs> app cab. Not as app good cab. as all cab. I will say not all as good cab. as all cab. App cab. App cab. App all pirate cops are bastards. <laughs> I, I want. I want that. What if we should like merge that was like. All wizard cops are bastards. All pirate, all pirate wizard are cops. bastards. And then every different type of cop, all furry cops are bastards. <laughs> Zootopia. Zootopia. Oh, not Zootopia. I remember when I was sitting Ask about, cat. I was like sitting there with my sister and I just look up and I go, Zootopia's copaganda. And she said, yeah. And then we just, just sat there in it's silence. Sad, I feel like Zootopia like had some interesting thoughts, and now it's propaganda. <laughs> it's, it's the racial metaphor in Zootopia is so confusing, though. We're not going to talk about it right now. We have to have a whole episode yeah, about that. It's, I That's don't understand it. It's too. Much. It was like that YouTube video about how you can't have a racism metaphor where there's a legitimate reason to, to yeah fear to be afraid. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's so confusing. I'm going to be in Florida and see pirate things and just go, oh, app cab. App cab. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Um, should we get to bitch time? I feel like we kind of did a little bitch time. Well, that, let's, let's formalize it. We got three minutes. This is where we talk about whatever the hell we want for, for three minutes. Go! Okay, I have a really specific gripe. The scene <laughs> with the with the coin and the and the like final climactic scene where they like stab oh. him at the same time yeah, as yeah, the yeah. coin goes. Oh. It doesn't work. And like this is a cinema sins kind of issue. Oh no! Like it's not. It's like not real. But like the timing doesn't make sense. Like if you watch the shot, like they couldn't have gotten the blood on the coin like fast in into the chest fast enough for the sword to actually like still be impaled in him because like they take the sword out before he turns away from being a zombie so he can't like he shouldn't have died and like i know it doesn't matter like i am cinema sins but i'm like so mad about it anyway that's it uh my my no thoughts head empty is um everyone in this movie is really hot yeah and I'm gay. Oh, I'm yeah. very gay. Gay awakening. Zoe Zaldana was like <gasps> brand new, and Baby she's in this Zoe movie. Zoe Zaldana. Baby yeah. Zoe Zaldana. She's also in this movie, 
and she is stunning. And every, like, these are my comfort movies because, like, the score, the effects. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts about the slow motion use in this film. Um, mm. But also, like, everyone's hot, and I wish to dress like that all the time. Girl has been in a lot of, like... Uh, Disney films. <laughs> Disney films. And then, like, high franchise, big budget, Avatar, like, all of that. Mm-hmm. Good for her. Um, she, she has. I'm planting no, the seed no, of those two little gay pirate guys being my favorite characters. <gasps> Pintel and Rigetti. Pintel and Rigetti. No thoughts head empty. Just them. I love them. Love them. Love them. Oh, best I characters in this franchise. Like obviously, like Will and Elizabeth are the best characters in the franchise. But also, Pin- what are they? Pintel and Rigetti. Pintel we and always Rigetti. Refer-, refer to them as Rigatoni when we watch them at the that's, nunnery. That's very um, cute. That's fair. But um, they're the best characters in the whole franchise. I quote Pintel and Rigetti on a daily basis. I quote this movie a lot. I quote them specifically so much. I can't. Like, so many of my thoughts are about Pirates of the Caribbean 3, but another seed I'm planting is that I almost got a Rigetti and Pintel-related tattoo impulsively. And I'm going to leave the people to wonder what it was. It was related to Pirates of the Caribbean. Sarah and my faces, like our jaws just dropped (laughs) at the same time when you said that. And then also you're going to reveal what the tattoo idea is at the the last episode. Yes. And I have to be here for this now. I'm invested in this series. (laughs) Sarah has to be here. Sarah's Um, the new guest star. Oh my God. I love it. Oh, we're almost, okay. Um, Me too. Go. This movie is great. Uh, This did for Johnny. No, this is a smart thought. Stop. No, smart thought. Seven seconds. It's um, hot. It's so hot. Everyone's hot. Kira Knightley makes this one face with her lips that I can't stop thinking about. Anyway. It's that, it's that, like, that, like, that, open like, mouth, like. Open mouth pout. Ta- like, yeah. oh. And I, yep. oh. Wasn't she yep. only seven? She was 17. Uh, she was the youngest person on set other than the child actors. I feel like I had so many more smart thoughts and we got so sidetracked that I was like, no, my, my head is empty. It's okay. It's just time for bitch why. So <laughs> it's time for bitch why. Okay, I think that these movies could have done what the Marvel movies did for Robert Downey Jr. for Johnny Depp. Yes. and Which is, like, help him out? Yeah, in this, because, like, they both kind of had similar... They started to. They started to. And then to, everything, yeah. And then he, you know, messed it up. Maybe it's because, like, the character arc of Tony Stark is all about him kind of becoming less and less of, like, a crazy playboy alcoholic, and Jack Sparrow just continues to be more yeah. and more of a crazy playboy alcoholic. And he never has any character yeah. growth, and that's the whole point of his character, so why would Johnny Depp have character growth? Later, in, and hopefully we'll discuss this in later epi- in the later mm-hmm. episodes, he kind of has an arc of, like, reckoning with mortality is what becomes his thing, because he's, like, mm-hmm. he's like he's Captain Jack Sparrow, he's the legend of the Caribbean, he does what he wants his father is the keeper of the pirate council like he's always been this like nebulous icon and then in the later films it's like you're getting old jack you are no longer a young pirate you are an old man three it's cars three (laughs) pirates of the caribbean walk so that cars three could could, drop could drive slowly about cars three can i tell you guys a fun farm fact yes (laughs) yeah one of the calves on my farm is named lightning mcqueen no i love that (laughs) He's a baby cow, and his name is Lightning McQueen. McQueen. I love him. And he's very fast. He should be. He's really cute. I think in terms of impact in other ways, I mean, this kind of started the how do we continue to make movies about Disney attractions. This this started the 
Disney attraction cinematic universe, which was continued <laughs> yeah. continued on later that year with Haunted Mansion, which was middling. Uh, Country Bears was awful. Tomorrowland, we don't speak of. We don't talk about Tomorrowland. Jungle Cruise looks fun. And it also, it I, ha- I had this thought watching the trailer, it feels like a Gore Verbinski film. And it's not. It's a okay. different director. But it's the exact same, like, if you watch the trailer for that and then watch the trailer for Pirates 3, it's that similar, like, high energy, but you can still tell what's going on, Gore Verbinski's style of direction. And I was like, hmm. I feel like Jungle Cruise came out in response to, like, the Jumanji movie. Yes. For sure, also. Which is which is also leading into, again, it the other impact that the Pirates film had is that it was a film based on a ride, and now the ride has been inspired by the Ooh. film. Uh-huh. And the Jungle Cruise is the exact same thing now, because the Jungle Cruise is now becoming part of this extended theme park universe called the Society oh. of, of Explorers and Adventurers. Oh, which connects, God. Yeah, which connects oh. Pirates, Indiana Jones, the Jungle Cruise, Mystic Manor, the High Tower, the Tower of Terror in Tokyo. All these rides are, are connected. There's a Jock Lindsay's Hangar Bar is also part of it skipper canteen like all these like theme park attractions are all connected now and there's going to be references to that in the new jungle cruise oh, movie oh i hate that so that, much that's it's so uh, ridiculous we really the, I, i've really unlocked like full like people from california yeah talking i've about never been in such a california conversation in my life i'm so sorry <laughs> as an east coast bitch this is new to me i was a theme park nerd and good for you. It led to some good times. It led to some weird times. It led to at least one cult, you know. Oh, Sarah's going to tell us about cults later. Yes, Disney we're going to talk about Disney cults and how those are a thing. That's another episode. Yeah, that um, uh, has to be cults. something. You know, my mom grew up in a cult, right? I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my mom grew up in a cult, a real cult. Yeah, I don't uh, think you mentioned that. Maybe cult is a strong word. It's It's more like a Disney... Uh, hyper fixation group. We'll call That's it that for lack of a better word. <laughs> cult as a treat. Uh, you can call it as a cult. Yeah, it's a cult. <laughs> I love that. We can call it a cult. We can call it a cult. I don't. Um, I don't want to be insensitive. I give you permission. Okay, as thank the you. cult gatekeeper. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, am I funny or just yes, tired? <laughs> you're very funny. Am I funny or just tired? Am I hungover? Or am or I still I'm drunk? Still drunk. drunk. <laughs> Yes. Um, the answer is yes. The the why of Pirates, though, specifically the first one, was just, this is a cool ride. Maybe it could be a cool movie. And then it got away from them. Yeah. Like, talking about Pirates 1 is, like, really interesting. Because it's, it's just, hard. like, a, it's, like, a lovely little romp of a movie. Yeah. But, like, I feel like so much of my, like, feelings about Pirates of the Caribbean have been soured in the years since. Yeah. And so it's, like, interesting thinking about Pirates of the Caribbean 1 and, like, and, like, thinking about it, it as, like, in the lens of it is a movie that exists as its own thing. And thinking about how much Pirates of, a, of the Caribbean, like, spiraled out of control. Yeah. And so, like, in a way, like, the impact of Pirates of the Caribbean 1 as its own thing, it's almost just, like, sad to, like, look back on it and be like, huh, what did this one movie do? Yeah. Because it could have just been a nice little movie. It's a very harmless adaptation, right? Like, it's like, okay, well, I think we can maybe make this ride into a movie. And and it actually, like, the the care behind the writing is so, it's just like, you can, you tell, you can tell that, like, they really were, like, 
trying to make a good movie yeah. here. This is also in the era of DVD behind the scenes things still being available. And you can find it on YouTube. Someone put the entire 45 minutes of behind the scenes footage online. And you watch the behind the scenes of the cast and the crew and the extras that came in from the local islands because they were filming in the Caribbean. And there's just love on this set. Like, it's it's the scrappy little big-budget blockbuster that could. Everyone's just stoked to be there. The scrappy little big-budget blockbuster that could. That could. It really is. Because... <laughs> it has that energy. Michael Eisner almost cut the production, like, halfway through three separate times because he was watching the dailies and was like, what is Johnny doing with this character? What's happening? Like, he wasn't convinced until it was done, pretty much. The set designers, the makeup artists, the costumers, like, the way they talk about it, it's, like, this really beautiful moment of, like, people just enjoying what they're doing because no one had made a movie like that in a really long time. The last one was Cutthroat Island, which did terribly. And they were just like, when are we going to do this again? We're going to do a lot with it, and it shows. There's a lot of jokes in there that I didn't get when I was a kid that I get now. There's a lot of little details that you don't see until you watch it again. Like, it's just... I love movies when you're like, they cared. They gave a shit about this movie. It does have very much, like, Passion Project vibes, doesn't it? Yeah. And like that, like, Treasure Planet, like that, like, Disney Disney post-Renaissance moment with, like, Lilo and Stitch and and Atlantis. Like, it feels like it's allowed to be weird. And I noticed this too, like I've been watching Game of Thrones for some weird reason. I'm like, tr- I've like never watched it. So I was like, let me do this like retro, like retrospective deep dive onto, into yeah. Game of Thrones. By the last season, it feels like now they're trying to be like the Marvel Avengers. Like the action doesn't have purpose. And like by the end, because you can tell they're just trying to fit the model of like what is big right now versus like at the beginning, it was a very dialogue heavy, character driven show. I feel like this was also like character driven, action driven through like development and plot. And like that was important to it. But now you get like the later ones, which we'll talk about more, but the later ones, which are now also trying to like adhere to this, like what is successful in action right now, which is like Marvel. The pirate film, the first one had such an impact on itself later on, because if you watch them all in order, you can see the descending of like, all right, this is what worked in the first one do something similar, but also continue the story and keep the characters motivated and still have all these interesting conflicts. And then the third one is like, all right, we got a love triangle between three characters who actually Jack Sparrow and Will Turner have more chemistry than Jack Sparrow and Elizabeth Swan. And I should have said that in bitch time. And I'm sorry. Um, Anyway, (laughs) no, it's no, it's this is serious. This is serious. This is in the (laughs) impact. When will we have an episode where I don't talk about how polyamory deserves rights? Yeah, this is a, (laughs) that's a thruple, actually. That's a thruple. Actually. That's a thruple I would love to see. Um, That's a thruple if I've ever seen one. (laughs) By like Pirates 5, you can see the formula where they're like, all right, Jack does something stupid and gets Mm. caught. And then he escapes in a ludicrous way. Then he loses all of his luck because he doesn't fleur de fla de flu de fla. Like, you can it's see where the breakdown is. Yeah, it's the Plato's cave, the shadow. Yeah. Yes. It's the, the shadow. farther and farther and farther you get the, from the original thing. The it's worst. like a exactly. game of telephone. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The later films Like, especially. the first thing is just, like, this lovely little thing, and then they they keep trying to get that what they had, but they yeah. have they don't even know what they had. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I feel like it's, that's like a good place to end it. Yeah. Cap. Cap it. Gaia, what are you working on? 
No, wait, are we doing the bitch meter? Oh my god, I'm oh, dumb bitch as meter. hell. Oh, bitch meter. Okay, so for queer, we gave it an NA, but they're in yeah. a throuple. Yeah, I, that will become clear later on. Uh, Guy, what did we give her for gender? We gave it a two. Uh, you know, there's a woman, and she's <laughs> right woman, there in the center. But, and, and she's smart and cool, but she's like she's cool. she's really carrying a lot on those skinny little Kira Knightley shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. in love with Kira Knightley. Was that no, mean? I'm I love Kira Knightley. I no, have I love her. her. Kira Knightley, if you're listening, I'm free this week. Same and all weeks. So, Sarah, what did we give it for race? We gave it a one because Zoe Saldana was also there. Technically, yes. Zoe Saldana was there. And then uh, for disability, we gave it a plus one. Insert conversation as to why <laughs> here. There is peglets. And eye patches. Pintel has a wooden eye. The inherent disability empowerment of pirates being disabled as like, like, is that, okay, is that empowerment or not? Like, pirates being disabled is like a trope, but also like they're just really good at their job. Cotton had his tongue ripped out and trained his parrot to speak for him. I don't know. I don't know if that's empowering or embarrassing. Service parrot. Uh, a service. No, there is a service way, animal. It's kind of neat how like pirates like. I don't know. Like, it's isn't it kind of neat that like so many like it's a trope in pirates like that they're missing limbs and like have like all these issues, but they're still like so functional and so okay. badass. And there's um, I'm gonna. How about plus one? Plus one, yeah, I would say with for, the option for... of someone who knows more about disability advocacy telling us we're wrong. Guy, what do we give it for body positivity? Yo, yo, you guys, you guys are longtime <laughs> listeners. You know we gave it an NA minus one for a dollar. Cast a fat person for a dollar. <laughs> Sarah, what do we give it for class? We gave it two because uh, the inherent app cap. Because of the inherent class consciousness of so pirate, pirate thank you. film. Of the pirate yes, thank genre. You. <laughs> and that gives us a drum roll, please. A three out of ten on the bitch Woo-hoo. meter. Woo! All right, I'm going to call Harris. Let's see if he picks up. It's time for Harris's hot take. Hi, Harris. What's up? You're wondering, have you seen the first Pirates of the Caribbean film, and do you have a hot take on it? Oh, maybe you know I've seen the first Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> film. It's talk dirty to me. <laughs> it's so fun. Um, and my hot take is that there should be more random movies based on stupid rides. Have you seen the other ones? <laughs> Uh, I think I have, but it's been so long. You need to... Okay, uh, well, how about you watch Haunted Mansion, Tomorrowland... Oh! And oh the God, Country Bears movie, and get back to me about well, that. Okay, I know take. those are bad, but I mean, <laughs> for... Uh, I just think it's great when there's, like, inspiration from things you wouldn't normally think there would be inspiration from. I think there should be more stuff like that in major... mass, Not mass-produced, but, like well-funded media that is a fun. hot take that's a nice yeah. zest that's, that's a, yeah zesty <laughs> <laughs> and great. also um orlando bloom is hot oh yeah yeah Major good best. for katie perry honestly good for How katie perry <laughs> damn good for her yes. um yes. amazing <laughs> harris thank right. you so much oh wait do you have anything else you want to say 
Uh, I'm currently cuddling with the dog, and that's nice. But I love you. I love you, too. Thank you so much. Have a good one. All right. Love you. Bye. That's good. That was a good take. Very good take. Very good take. What a zesty young man. That stringy boy. All right. What's going on? What are we working on? (laughs) Nita, what are you working on? Uh, I'm in Stone Street right now, which is the Acting for Film Studio at NYU, and and, uh, that's it. Also, I'm in a podcasting fellowship for something that I'll announce later. It's exciting. Ooh. Yes. Uh, Sarah, what are you working on? I am working on getting my stage career back in the L.A. burlesque scene. I post about it on my Instagram. If y'all would like to follow, I'll put it. Oh, we will. We'll do that. Other than that, um, I'll be on vacation at the time of recording. I'll be working on relaxing yes <laughs> for you as you should uh gaia what are you, you working on what am i working on a farm a farm farming lightning mcqueen farm farming i built a house for pigs to live in and i had to do a lot of math for it so wait you're doing math outside of the bitch meter yeah i actually have been doing math That's illegally wild. um illegally. on the side i'm proud of you i've been cheating on the bitch meter with other math wow. with trigonometry <laughs> wow <laughs> Like, like the joke I keep making is that the pigs are going to walk into that little house and they're going to be like, this was designed by a fucking theater major. Like, <laughs> it's, it's got pigs problems. Pigs are going to know. They're going to know. They're going to know. I love How that. would they know? Oh, they're going to know. <laughs> the pigs are How would know. they know? They're going to know. They're going to know. How would they know? They're going to know. Anyway. Um, oh, yeah. That's all I'm working on. I, I haven't had a had a thought at all recently. Besides that. Oh, I... I am also on the TikTok if it wasn't blaringly obvious, so. Oh, you can plug the TikTok. Actually, I, right, I will... right right, now. Sarah, how, where can people follow you? I'm most active on my Instagram, which is at official Sarah Louise. I will put the spelling in the show notes. Mm-hmm. My TikTok is the same. I'm not as active there, but I'm trying to be so I can be hip with the kids. And I have a YouTube channel sometimes. I'll plug that as well. Amazing. Sexy. Guy, where can people follow you? You follow me at on Instagram at Guy Rose River or Guy River Rose, depending on what you want from me. You can follow me at Neeta underscore Tadani, N-E-E-T-A underscore T-H-A-D-A-N-I. And I never <laughs> spelled the whole thing out loud before. That was Yeah, weird. I know. That was we're being quirky. Yeah, that was a moment. Yeah, that was I was like my hungover am i still drunk um and you can follow the bitch why podcast at bitch why podcast on instagram and twitter and you can email us at b.tchy at gmail.com leave us a review and rate us on itunes or wherever you get your podcast all of the resources referenced will be in the show notes thank you to our editor and co-producer and gay god capital g god cameron and our graphic designer jillian and our guest sarah and our guest sarah for coming and hanging out <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun, and I can't wait to do it four more times. Fuck yeah! Woo! Yes. All right. <laughs> Bye, bitches. Good night, bitches. Bye, bitches. Hey, drink your hangover cure. Get some electrolytes in your bodies, bitches. Bye.